Welcome to another episode of the Core Extra Podcast. I'm Kurt. And I'm Steve. And this is the podcast where we talk about the mysterious, the unexplained, and the paranormal. Well, Steve, it's Thanksgiving week. You know, I got to work this week. You, you're working doing I'm working on Thanksgiving. Well, you know, Thanksgiving is no exception to the rule that weird things happen all the time. I understand you have some story to yeah, tell. Yeah, and I have a story to tell about it. But before we get into my unexplained story, I remember a couple years ago you told me a story about uh, Thanksgiving dinner at your house or oh, relative's yes. house. And it was at my grand- grandmother's house. And this divided the family oh. for like decades. I tell you what, it divided the family for decades, and it still comes up today. Even to this day. To this day. You want, would you like to hear this story? I would like to hear this story. Okay. So, obviously it's not paranormal, but it's really unexplainable. <laughs> right. Years ago, my grandmother used to have Thanksgiving dinner at her house. Mm-hmm. And it was a big, big deal. I mean, you know, you are, I know you remember. Remember we had the kids' tables and all that. But years ago... They had Thanksgiving dinner at my grandma's house. And my grandma was big into presentation and show. That was one of the things. You know, everything had to be perfect. Uh, you know, the turkey, the dress, you know, you know what I mean. But everything had to be laid out perfect. It was a big show. It's almost like today, mm-hmm. taking pictures of everything. Mm-hmm. So, you know, everything's fine. They're having dinner. Uh, this is actually before I was born. But the story has gone down. Mm-hmm. And I've heard the story every year, sometime. What had happened was my grandmother, her brother was there. His name was Uncle Eddie. Well, Uncle Eddie had was finished with his meal. Now, my grandma would bring dessert out. And it was a big deal. It was like, they were called snowballs. They were ice cream and I, I remember seeing these things. You used to get them at the UDF. They were like ice cream with coconut on them. Oh, I remember those. And it was like it had a candle in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I remember those. Yeah. I didn't like them, but I remember yeah. them. Well, that was like always came out around Thanksgiving, Christmas. Right. Well, she came out with a huge tray to present them. Well, beforehand, Uncle Eddie had finished with his dinner. And he wanted his dessert. And my grandma said, you're not having a dessert until everybody's done. You know how that is. Right. Well, Uncle Eddie decided to get up and he went into the refrigerator and he ate his snowball. So when my grandma brought the presentation out, it was one less snowball. It didn't look right. I, no one would notice but my grandma. Right. You know, all the candles were lit. She brings it out. Well, she realizes there's one missing. And Uncle Eddie's in the other room eating the ice cream. Well, that just ruined the entire Thanksgiving. My side of the family, that side is German, and you know how they are. They just, everything goes wrong. I mean, the littlest thing will set them off. It's a scream fest. Oh, every holiday was a scream fest yeah, on that side. Screaming at The other side of my family is Italian, and everybody was happy-go-lucky. Right. So, not the stereotype, but you know what I mean. Well, that, that just happened in yeah. your family. Um, 
So he ate the ice cream. She was mad. Threw the stuff down. And told him to leave her house. And she never spoke to him again. (laughs) Ever again. And the only time she saw him was 10 years later at his funeral. She showed up at the funeral, spit on him, and walked out the door. Oh, no. You got to be kidding. No. That's the story. Now, what brings it up every year is, no matter where we are, you could be at Frisch's or Burger King or McDonald's eating, and somebody will say, I think I'm ready for uh, ice cream. And somebody at the table will say, Uncle Eddie, sit down. You know, (laughs) wait till everybody else is done. The legend of Uncle Eddie. The legend of Uncle Eddie. Poor guy just wanted his ice cream. He just wanted his ice cream, but I'm sure he knew that that's the way it is. You know, but I don't think he thought that she would never speak to him again. Well, you know, they, the German people, they hold a lot of grudges, you know? So, So he didn't come over Thanksgiving anymore? Never more. He wasn't invited. So what would he do? I don't know. Would anybody ever go to Uncle Eddie's house? No, he was thrown out. He of the was family. ostracized. He, yes, the family. out of the family because he wanted an ice cream. Because he wanted an ice Six cream. Six minutes before everybody else. Six minutes before everybody else. Now the thing is, he knew how important it was to my grandma. Right. So he is trying to, and he was the older brother. Right. So he's trying to. Yeah say your traditions are terrible right but you invited me to your house right all this you got to go by what the traditions are so that is really an unexplainable because it is so <laughs> is unexplainable it is so off the wall that well see i like the free-for-all thanksgivings where it's like okay we're going to eat at three but you can show up anytime yeah you know, you can show up anytime. And I think when you're younger, though, like when you have young kids, it's, it's people say, well, we got to eat. Everybody has to be at the table, so forth. But everybody grows up now. Everybody's in and out all day. And the most important thing about Thanksgiving now is the football. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can watch eight games. Yeah, you know, it feels like. I think one comes on at noon, and there's three games. Only. Three games now. Yeah, three games. Only. So let me ask you this real quick before we go on to this story, because... Mm-hmm. I know I'm probably one of the only ones that like it. What's your favorite dish at Thanksgiving? Oh, I don't know. Probably, I don't know. Um, I, I, You know, I'm just real simple when it comes to that. Just give me the turkey and mashed potatoes and cranberry sauce and I'm okay. See, it used to be with me, turkey. Mm-hmm. Because you only really ate it twice a year. Right. But now you can get the turkey breast at Kroger's already cooked like the chicken. Right. So we have turkey all the time. Right. My favorite part is the skin on the turkey. (laughs) (laughs) I love the skin on the turkey. Yes. But it can't be the the underneath part where it's kind of, it's got to be the burnt. You want it crisp. The crisp top part. Well, now, for those of you who have listened to us and know us a little bit, you know... All of these holiday meals are every year more and more challenging for me because I don't like to eat everybody's food. Yes, that's right. So when I show up now, and this 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 um, whatever you want to call it gets worse every year. So now when I show up, if I see a big pot of something all mixed up or 
like I used to dive in, but now I'm just like, eh, just give me a piece of turkey. And <laughs> yeah. Whatever is less has the less mixing to it. I'll eat it. Like, just give me the turkey, some potatoes. But if somebody says, oh, well, I have this casserole. I no. I don't know about that. So a lot of times on these holidays, I have to eat before I leave the house. <laughs> because I might not. Peanut butter. <laughs> I have the emergency peanut butter. Peanut butter and chips. Yeah, because I might not, uh, I might not eat wherever I go. So, you know. But you can always eat the pie. Yeah, because usually the people buy the pies. But usually the pies are bought. Yeah, there's usually. But when somebody says, "Oh, I have a special," anything that starts with special recipe, I'm not eating. You know, that's like that special sauce. I avoid those special sauces. Just yeah. give me some ketchup. Yeah. You know. But at least what happened to you on Thanksgiving with Uncle Eddie. Uncle Eddie. The legend yeah. of Uncle Eddie. The legend of Uncle Eddie. Uh, at least what happened to you is not as bad as the story I'm going to tell. Because now I have a story that happened in 1985 to a family called the Blount families, B-L-O-U-N-T. And here's their story. So tell me about this interesting story. Okay, so here we go. It's 1985. It's Thanksgiving Day, 1985. It was on November 28th that year. So in this hilltop mobile home park, right around Lake Worth, Texas, several members of this family, the Blount family, B-L-O-U-N-T, were celebrating the holiday together in the Blount's trailer. The family included Joe, the father, a 44-year-old skilled mechanic, his wife, Susan, their 15-year-old daughter, Angela, their son, Robert, Joe's brother, Carl, and Carl's son, Michael Columbus. So the family sat down and ate dinner between 4 and 5 p.m. And after it was, dinner was finished, Ray went home, okay? At 9 p.m. that night, Susan went and laid down while Joe drove Angela, Robert, and Michael to a convenience store for ice cream and beer. Okay. So Susan's at home and the remainder the of the people... The Right. The remainder of the people go out to the convenience store. So while the others were out, Susan said... She reported that she heard a knock at the door, and when she looked outside, she didn't see anyone, so she went back to sleep. When the others returned to the trailer about around 20 minutes after this happened, they had um, saw they saw a briefcase sitting at the front door. Okay, so they're coming back from the convenience store. They see this briefcase sitting out there. The three teenagers, of course, were excited that the briefcase might contain valuables or money and brought it inside. Angela immediately sat down in the living room, opened the briefcase, and a bomb detonated instantly. Jesus. So it was a briefcase bomb. Joe, Angela, and Michael were killed instantly by the blast. Joe was, like I said, was uh, 45 when he died. Angela was 15, and Michael was 18. Robert survived the blast despite being close by when the explosion occurred, but he did, he sustained superficial injuries and his slippers were melted to his feet. Jeez. That's how hot it was. Susan Blount wasn't harmed by the incident. 
So the police come in and they interview hundreds of people and they never find anything conclusive. A theory began to become widely supported that the bomb had been left at the wrong trailer which prevented identifying the intended victim and therefore the perpetrator. And that's just a theory because the police could not find anything. Now, let's fast forward to 1997. 12 years later. Police were given new powers and funding to investigate domestic terrorism in the wake of the Oklahoma City bombing. Okay. Okay. And the unsolved Blount family bombing was one such case that was reopened. So during this reinvestigation, a man named Charles Ferris came forward to tell them, tell the police, that his cellmate had confessed to having carried out the bombing. His cellmate was a guy by the name of Michael Roy Tony. So let me tell you a little bit about Michael Roy Tony. Yeah, you, I'm kind of confused. So, so what happens is the police are investigating. Yeah. This, this guy comes in. He's in prison. He says, "Hey, my cellmate told me he did it." Okay. His cellmate's name is Michael Roy Tony. So Tony was born December 29, 1965, in Cottonwood, California. His father abandoned the family early into Michael's life, and his mother worked in several local taverns to support the family. So during his early life, Michael and his brothers were often beaten and abused by the man her mother bought, their mother bought home. Michael would later say that to escape the worst abuse, he would hide in a shed in the back of the property for hours. So this guy had a rough life. Yeah, Jesus. When he was 9 or 10, he was strapped to a chair by one of his mother's boyfriends and had his hands burned badly. He eventually left school at the age of 15, fled to Texas, and he lived in um, Hearst, Euless, Tarrant County, Texas. I never heard of that. Me either. When he was living in Texas, he eventually married a woman named Kim, and uh, Michael would go on to have several run-ins with the law during his life, primarily for burglary and theft. Paroled seven times, and then he would violate his parole. So the guy has had a rough life. Rough life, yeah. He's being arrested. He's, he's living in that world. In 1997, he was arrested and held pending trial for another burglary he committed in 1993. While there, Michael was held in a cell with Charles Ferris, the guy that came forward. And according to Ferris, they got to talking about the Blount bombing, and during the conversation, Michael told Ferris he was responsible. Ferris immediately told authorities in exchange for his release, and the investigation zeroed in on Michael Tony. Okay? Now, the police first spoke with Michael's ex-wife, who he had been married to at the time of the bombing. In her first interview, she explained that she knew about, she didn't know anything about it, had never heard about it, but her story would always constantly change. So while the authorities were deciding whether or not to take Michael to trial, they learned that Ferris also changed his story. He had seen a news story about Michael being indicted for capital murder for the bombing and told the police that the two of them had come up with a story in their cell to get one of them out on early release. (laughs) I kind of thought that might. I mean, come on, right? So, at any rate, the trial starts in May of 1999, okay, down to Fort Worth, Texas. So Robert, Susan, the surviving witnesses, gave their testimony of what happened that day, and it was 
the turn of Michael's ex-wife, who stated that she, Michael, and a best friend had traveled to a propane shop that was adjacent to the trailer park on the night of November 28, 1985, the night of the bombing. Michael gets out of the truck while they were traveling, carrying a briefcase, and came back with it a short while later. This was her testimony. Okay. A former cellmate of Michael's was then called to testify against him. He alleged that Michael told him he was paid $5,000 to deliver the bomb as part of a drug-related hit. According to this testimony, Michael had left the briefcase at the wrong step. Michael was put on the stand, which is rare, and he's going to defend himself. And he testified he didn't even... He didn't even know the trailer park existed until shortly before his 1997 arrest. He also disputed his ex-wife and best friend's testimony that he had been driving a truck on the night of the 28th, as he claimed he hadn't bought the truck till December the 13th. Good alibi. Despite these claims, Michael Roy Tony was found guilty and sentenced to death. His being sentenced to death relied mostly on his cellmate's testimony that the crime had been premeditated and one related to organized crime. This is Texas. Texas. Well, he's going to go to death. If you're sentenced to death in Texas... You're going. You're going. Now, not long after Michael was convicted and sentenced, discrepancies were discovered in the case. It was discovered that the cellmate who testified against Michael in the trial was a pedophile who was facing charges of indecency with a child and had his charges dropped in exchange for his testimony. Can you pause it? He later publicly stated that his testimony was all lies. Now, the best friend who was supposed to be present with Michael and his ex-wife on the night of November 28th was found to have changed his version of events at least four times, and his story had never matched the ex-wife's until the trial. He also went on to fail a polygraph. <laughs> okay. Man, a mountain of lies. It was, I don't know who's telling the truth. It was also proven, proven that the truck Michael had supposedly been driving on the 28th indeed hadn't been purchased by him until December of 1985. Okay, same year. In all the Tarrant County District Attorney's Office was found to have withheld 14 pieces of evidence from the defense that would have exonerated Michael Roy Tony. The case was turned over to the Texas Attorney General and the state of Texas dropped all charges on December 17, 2008. 2008. In 2008. So you think, what happened to Michael Roy Tony? Michael Roy Tony was released on September 2, 2009, after spending more than 10 years on death row. Unfortunately, he tragically died just a month later on October the 3rd. He had been driving in a pickup truck near Rusk, Texas, when he lost control and was thrown from the vehicle and killed instantly. So this guy had a rough life and an even rougher death. Well, at the time of the Michael Roy's release in 2009, the case was unsolved. So it's still unsolved. 
and Susan Blanc later stated that she had been told by authorities the case would be retried, but they needed time to build a case against Michael. But he's gone. You know, he's gone. The type of bomb used and what used, whether his design had ever been linked to another bombing, has never been made public. With the passage of time, many media outlets have questioned why more information about it hasn't been released in the hopes of stirring up new tips in the decades-old case. Obviously, the case is inact in inactive. Police sources have told the media that it still believed the most likely scenario was that the bomb was placed at the wrong trailer that night, which made identifying the perpetrator extremely difficult or, if not, impossible. Okay. There's been no new information since the death of Michael Blum. Sounds to me like it was... I'm sorry, I'm sorry, since the death of Michael Roy Tony. It sounds to me like that it, it had to be placed at the wrong trailer. That's what it sounds like. Unless the wife is involved. Well, the one thing... You say she went to bed? Well, she took a nap. And, when, and, and as I researched this case, I, I, I researched it on... Um, Oh, I do want to give credit to the people I researched on Wikipedia and mostly on Reddit articles and then old newspaper articles in that town in Texas. But the one thing that kind of stood out that Susan, so her, comp, her testimony is she went to lay down, heard somebody place a bomb outside. I'm sorry, heard somebody knock on the door, looked outside, nobody was there. She goes and lays back down. Everybody comes in. Right? Yeah. They huddle around the brief briefcase, open it up, blows up. She's unharmed. Yes. So, you know, I don't know. I mean, somebody brings a briefcase in the house and they say we're going to open it. I would probably stand there to see what the deal was. Yeah, I would too. Now, it can't be for insurance money. They live no, in a trailer park. Doesn't sound like it. I mean, nothing against living in a trailer park. No, but I mean, but yeah, yeah, they don't sound like they have a lot of money. Yeah. So, well, it sounds. And then I don't think she'd kill her kids. No, I just it just sounds. I'm sure that this was looked at from the police. I'm sure they looked at all that and still remain that it was probably placed at the wrong, wrong place. So. But that's the story of uh, the Blount family bombing. On um, Thanksgiving. On Thanksgiving of 1985. Obviously, if you have any um, information on this, uh, contact the Texas authorities around Lake Worth. Or I'm sure, if you, I'm sure if you have any information, you can contact the Texas Rangers. I don't know who exactly is investigating it or who, on whose desks it's on right now. But I'm sure if you can look online with that, if you have any information on it. But this case remains unsolved, an unexplained case that happened on Thanksgiving Day. It was a, a grim story, and we don't want to leave with a terrible story. So I'm going to leave you with it's still a Thanksgiving theme, maybe, but a movie that you should see, okay? And it is called Poultrygeist, <laughs> Night of the Chicken Dead. That's funny. Okay? Poultrygeist, Night of the Chicken Dead. Now, have you seen this movie? Yes, I have. Is it good? 
Well, I mean, it, it sounds great. It, it, <laughs> I'll tell you what. Um, if you watch it with tongue in cheek, like the Rocky Horror mm. or things like that, yeah, it's good. So I'm almost scared to ask. Yes. What is this about? Um, well, this is about a chicken place that is buried over an Indian burial site. <laughs> See the poltergeist? Poultry guys over an Indian burial site. Okay. And workers disappear on their shifts mm-hmm. because the evil spirits, mm-hmm. well, I guess they're not evil spirits, but you know, well, I guess they're pissed because they got buried over an Indian burial ground. Right. Spirits have come alive and they invade the chickens. Oh. Not the live ones, the dead ones. The you dead know, chickens. The yeah. dead chickens before yeah. they fry them up. Right. And the dead chickens attack the workers. And you laugh. This this almost won an Academy Award. It should have won. Yeah. I voted for it. I'm going to tell you, on um, Rotten Tomatoes, uh, now you, you, you see what it is. The critics gave it 64%. Well, that's good. So the critics, now with that kind of thing. That's good. And it basically says, by the critics. This will tell you. So the critics, so you know I'm not bullshitting you. Uh, the critics say tongue-in-cheek it is what it is. And that's it. But That's there, the whole review. Yes, it is. <laughs> there, there, there are scenes where chickens grab people with their chicken no-heads and dunk people in the fryers. Oh. So, I mean, you I might watch that. Poultry Geist. Night of the Chicken Dead. Now, what year did this movie come out? Came out in uh, 1995. It might have some decent effects in yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was looking at the wrong thing. 2006. Oh, that's an even better effect. 2006. Yeah. Um, cost 500000 to make. <laughs> Why? <laughs> cost 500000 and it brought in 22000 <laughs> <laughs> I don't recognize any of the... Uh, what? I don't, you don't recognize, recognize it. Wait a minute. You mean you mean Robert De Niro's not in that I one? I did not recognize anyone, but um, the director is Lloyd Kaufman. Mm-hmm. Lloyd Kaufman, the Toxic Avenger. Oh. So, you know, he's got some... Uh, Trauma films. Yes. Yeah. The toxic Avenger. Well, now we're talking. Yeah, see? Yeah, now so, we're we got some... Yeah. Heavy hitters. Oh, yeah. Behind is, it. I, I got to see this now. But anyway, I thought we'd leave on a light note. Yeah, dead chicken. And uh, people. poultry geist. Poultry geist. Put it on your watch list. Please. Yes. Because you don't want to miss this no. one. So, and that is the inconceivable. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, we want to thank everybody for joining us on our Thanksgiving special. I hope you had a good time. And, even, and then, like I say, maybe you even learned something. Um, about uh, an unsolved case and we want to again wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving and a holiday season we'll be back next week with more stories but for now we're going to sign off please check us out on the social media you can find us on Twitter Instagram and TikTok so with that I'm Kurt and I'm Steve thanks for listening everybody <laughs>